Thanks, John. Good morning, church. How you guys doing today? Awesome. I want to welcome everybody to church today. My name is Andrew. For those of you that know me, I am the lead pastor. I want to welcome everybody that is watching us online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right, before we get into part seven, and I think this is our last part of our series, Living on Fire for God. Don't, don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure. Uh, hey, I want to thank everybody that came out on Wednesday night, man, Wednesday night. I want to thank everybody that just came out and was part of that, that served, that prayed uh, over people. Uh, man, it was just an awesome, awesome night under the tent. Come on. Um, and, and I just really, really believe that God is doing something special here at Passionate Life Church. And it just shows how hungry you are to, to seek the face of God, to seek a move of God. And that's, uh, that's really, really special. And, and as your pastor, I, I'm so proud uh, of you and, and the way that you're, uh, man, you're digging deep into the, the things of the Lord. And, and so I just want to continue, man, inviting you to Wednesday night. That is our midweek fill-up, okay? Uh, that, that is our midweek fill-up, man. If you need a fill-up, if you need just a, a, a touch from the Lord, you just need some encouragement, Wednesday night prayer, 7 to 8.30, just come. If you just need prayer that night or you just want to get into the presence of the Lord, I just want to encourage you to come on Wednesday night because that is our midweek fill-up. Come on, somebody. All right, part seven today of Living on Fire of God. Living on fire even when it doesn't make sense. Some of you are, and I get this from time to time from people, some of you are waiting for the perfect element to start fire, right? So some of you are like, no, no, Pastor, when I get my life together, that's when I'm going to start being consistent in church. Pastor, when, when, when I get certain things in order, when, when I break free of addiction, when, when I break free of this habitual habit, then I'll join a life group. Then I'll start serving. Then what ends up happening is you don't ever get plugged in. You don't ever serve. You don't ever give. You don't ever, because if you're waiting for the perfect atmosphere and the perfect environment to get on fire for God, guess what? You'll never get on fire for God. It's like talking to young people about getting married. Right? Oh, I'm just, I'm just waiting, you know, get financially secure and, and, and getting, you know, my dream car or getting the, the house. And li listen, young people, I had a plan, okay? I was going to be 28. Before I got married, got to have that BMW, come on. And financially stable, okay? Didn't get any of those. Got married anyway, right? At 23, okay? Because it was God's plan and not my plan. Come on, some of you, 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 you parents understand that there's never the perfect time to have kids. Come on. Right? When should you have kids? Never, right? Like, there's never a perfect time to have kids, right? And, and it's just the same way with being on fire for God. If you're waiting for the perfect 
season of your life or a perfect environment or perfect job or perfect relationship. You'll never be on fire for God. You'll always have an excuse why you can't come to church, why you can't give, why you can't serve, why you can't be part of the body, why you can't be part of a life group, why you can't lead. You'll always have an excuse. And so today, we're going to be looking at someone who had lots of excuses, good excuses, to not be on fire for God. We're going to be looking at the life, the prophet of Jeremiah. Okay, come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. This is your moment, God. Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room today. I thank you for every person that is watching us online right now. Holy Spirit, you have carved out this moment in time for us to lean in to your word that you have in store for us. And so, God, open our hearts, open our minds to the understanding of your eternal word. Get me out of the way, Jesus, none of me and all of you, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, amen and amen. So, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, uh, if you know a little bit of a, his background, he was actually called the weeping prophet. Um, he was always crying, okay? Okay. Uh, some from the things that he went through, but some from his, uh, his ministry. If you look at it from an outward um, analytical perspective, right, or, or any type of metrics, okay, growth metrics, uh, Jeremiah was a complete failure, okay? Uh, he, was, he was absolutely a complete failure in the eyes of humans. But in the eyes of God, he was Amazing. In the eyes of God, he did exactly what he was called to do. And so, how is he able to say this? Jeremiah 20, 8 through 9, which is kind of our, our launching passage here for today. Jeremiah says this, When I speak, the words burst out violence and destruction. I shout, so these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. So, Jeremiah has gone viral for something bad. Okay, if you can imagine going viral for something embarrassing, like, like falling down stairs or something and 10 million people watch it, right? Like he's gone viral, not for a good reason, but for a bad reason. He's actually a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. So I got lots of questions today. Uh, the first question that we're going to go through is, how is he able to say this regardless of his circumstances? And we're going to get into his circumstances today. How is he able to say this? How is he able to say that, that he's, his heart is burning? There, there's literally a fire in his bones. And the reason how he can say this is because there is no plan B for Jeremiah. There, 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 there's no other plan for his life. And, and so many times we, we come into this relationship with Jesus thinking that, all right, I'll give God a couple weeks or I'll give God a couple months and to see what happens. And if nothing supernaturally transforms in your life, you literally go back to the way you used to live. 
Church, we, we, we cannot have that perspective. When, when, when I turned my life around, when I went from drugs and alcohol and, and partying, there was no plan B for me, okay? Because I had lived for the devil. I had lived for the world, and I knew exactly where I was going if I continued to live that way. It was either jail or death. And so when I went all in on Jesus, there was no plan B or C or D for my life. When, when, when we moved here from, from Florida, okay, and we sold everything and, and moved here with five people and $7,000, we had never been here. I had no idea the spiritual climate here in this region because if I would have known it, if I was honest with you, I probably would have never moved from my house that was 10 minutes from the ocean. But when God speaks to you and your heart begins to burn and there's this fire in your bones, there's no other choice. There's no plan B. No matter what is happening in your current circumstances, Jeremiah 1.5, he says this, and this is part of Jeremiah's calling. This is part of the fire. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So there's four things that the prophet Jeremiah really understood and got. Okay, these are the four things that he understood. He, he knows his identity. Okay, his identity is in God. His identity is being a son of the Father. His calling, he knows his calling. He, he's been called be, before, right? He understands that God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives, even before we are born. He knows his purpose. His purpose is to speak. His purpose is to be a prophet. He knows God's power. He fears the Lord more than he fears man. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 states this. Work willing, willingly at whatever you do as though you were work, working for the Lord rather than people. <clears throat> Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So many Christians get caught up in what they do for work, what they do for money. Now, if you're doing something illegal for money, stop doing that, okay? Some people are called into full-time ministry, yes. Some people are called to be missionaries full-time, yes, absolutely. But that actually is a very small percentage. Because God needs people in business. He needs people in schools. He needs people in hospitals. He needs people everywhere. We talked about this last week. He's commanded us to burn everywhere. And he needs people in the world. Not of the world, but he needs people in the world shining the light in their workplaces, in their schools, wherever they go. Why? Because we're called to be the light of the world. And so don't get so caught up and what you do for money, unless it's illegal, okay? Because everything that we do, we're supposed to be working unto the Lord. 
Jeremiah knew his purpose. He knew the plan that God had for his life. Regardless of what that meant to him. There was fire in his heart and his bones. It was ingrained in him. Right? We've been talking about building fire. We've been talking uh, about sustaining and building the fire of God in us. Guys, this is the step after building fire. This is being consumed by the fire of God. Where no matter what is happening in our external circumstances, Jeremiah is like, man, there's no plan B for my life. There's no other way to live, even though it turns into difficulty for my life. Jeremiah is making this statement of faith. Being on fire is no longer a choice for me. It's who I am. Does that statement resonate with you? Are you on fire for God? Is that who you are? Is that your identity? Is that your purpose? Is that why you get up every single morning? Why? Because you're, you're burning for God. You just want to shine for God. You want to live for God. Is that no matter what your external circumstances are. Some of you are like, Pastor, it's just been raining in my life and everything's wet and I can't build fire. Here's my response to you. Build fire anyway. Figure it out. Build fire anyway. Because we literally could have taken hundreds of people out of Scripture and I could have showed you the difficult circumstance that they lived in. And what did they do? They built fire anyways. They burned for God anyways. Why? Because they could see an eternal purpose more than a temporary physical one. All right, so let's go through the six difficulties, the, dif the six difficult circumstances, and the personal reflection after each one. Number one, people wouldn't listen. When Jeremiah talked, no one listened. I talk to parents all the time, and, and I think you would agree with me, parents. One of the best things ever is when you're talking to your child and you keep repeating his name over and over or her name over and over, and they don't respond to you. It just feels so good, right? When, when they... I mean, Don and I have, have talked about, like, do we need to get their hearing checked? Like, are they deaf? Like, are they... they Jeremiah 7, 26 through 27. But they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did more evil than their ancestors. When you tell them all this, they will not listen to you. When you call to them, they will not answer. Here's the question statement that goes with that. Are you seeking the acceptance of others more than the acceptance of God? Do you care more about what people think about you than what God thinks about you? Do you really need people to like you? Church, and we're going to talk about this in the coming series, is that there's going to be a time where being a Christian, and it's already here, being a Christian is not popular. You're not going to be liked. You're going to be labeled a hater. 
And so we need to get over this right away. Jeremiah got over this right away. He's like, everything I say, you don't listen. But it doesn't stop him from fulfilling the call upon his life. It doesn't stop him from burning from God. Church, we, we can't control what other people do. We can't control what other people say. We can only control what we can do. And our obedience level to the Holy Spirit. And our fire level in us. Are you seeking the acceptance of others more than the acceptance of God? Is that what's stopping you from burning in your workplace? Is this what's stopping you from burning in your family or around your friends because you're worried about what they might say to you? We talked about this last week. We are commanded to burn. We're commanded to burn. Number two, second difficult circumstance that Jeremiah went through. He was beaten and put in stocks. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen stocks, okay? Basically, it's this wooden, wooden contraption that you put your feet in, okay? They lock your feet in and your hands in, and so you, you can't move, okay? So he was beaten, okay, then put in stocks, Jeremiah 20, 1 through 2. And what's interesting, this is what happened before he literally talks about burning in his heart and in his bones. When the, peace, when the priest Pashir, son of Immer, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah, the prophet, beaten put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Have you ever felt beat up? Have you, have you ever felt like you're, you're stuck in life? Have you, have you ever felt like life is moving by, but, but you're standing still? Have you ever had one of those days or weeks or months or years where you're just constantly feeling beat up by, by, by work, by, by, by relationships, by, by things that you're going through, and you just kind of feel stuck. You, you kind of feel like, you know, life is moving by, but, but you're standing still. Jeremiah was literally physically beaten up and put in stocks. Yet he doesn't use that as an excuse to not move forward in the purpose and the plan of God. Listen, there, there's going to be things that happen to our life all of the time. Jesus promised suffering would come. And that shouldn't determine our fire level. What is happening externally, whether it's financial, relationally, it, it shouldn't determine our burning level for God. You know, one of the things that, that Jeremiah was, I'm sure, constantly reminding himself is that he's living for an eternal purpose instead of a temporary one. There's going to be days and weeks and seasons where we feel beat up, where we feel stuck. We feel like life and is moving by, and it seems like, man, everybody's getting blessed, and man, everything's, everybody's getting a breakthrough but me. 
Church, we, we, we have to understand, we have to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. We're not in a physical battle. We are in a supernatural, spiritual battle. We literally have an enemy that is fighting against our church, fighting against our lives, fighting against our marriages, fighting against our mental health, everything. And so he will use anything to try and keep us stuck. But this didn't stop Jeremiah. He continued to, to burn with his heart and in his bones. Number three. The third thing, difficult circumstance. He was given a death sentence. That'd be a pretty bad day. Jeremiah 26, 11. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and all the people, this man should be sentenced to death because he has prophesied against the city. You have heard it with your own ears. We're going to hit this from two different ways. Have you ever been suicidal? Have you ever thought, about ending your life? Have you ever felt like your life is at a dead end? Have you ever felt like your career or, or even your spiritual life is, has hit a dead end? Church, Satan is a destroyer. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to he wants you to believe that your, your life is worthless and worth nothing. This is why we started with, with the four things that, that Jeremiah really understood. He understood his purpose. He understood his identity. His identity wasn't it what other people thought of him. His fire level and his bones and his heart did not come from outside circumstance, but came within. He knew who he was. He, he, he knew where he was going. We've got to stop measuring our life by worldly success. And not that God doesn't want to bless you at business or, or your finances or anything but that. But that is not the metrics of your value or your worth. And that's exactly that. Satan loves to come in there. You're not doing well at work or you're not doing well in your marriage or, or with relationships with your kids. He, he wants you to feel like, man, you're at a dead end. There's no way out. You'll never be on fire for God. Some of you have been, if you're honest, you've been in a dry season right now. You've been in the desert. Let me tell you today, you're actually in the best season to start fire. Fire does really good in the desert. It does really good in a dry climate. So if you're feeling dry today, man, today could be the day where that fire begins to spark and burn and build where that fire gets in your bones and in your heart. Listen, church, God cares about everything that we're going through. He, he cares about our thought process. He cares about uh, how we feel. He cares about it all. Satan would love to speak these lies of destruction in our hearts and our minds to get us to stop living for God. Stop praying. Stop reading our Bible. Stop coming to church. Stop going to life group. Like this is what he's trying to get us to stop doing those things because he knows that those are the very things that will impact 
your life. He knows those are the very things that keep that fire burning in you. All right, number four. The fourth thing. Circumstance, difficult circumstance that Jeremiah went through. His work was destroyed. Now, I dealt with this a lot as a college student. Um, not so much now, um, because we have those automatic saving things where, where it saves every 15 minutes, right? But when I was in college, you literally had to save, like, save as, like, you had to press a button and save it as you were working. And if you forgot, there were times where I lost all my work. Man, that's an empty feeling, isn't it? Oh, that is just, you, you put hours, sometimes days into something, and then it's gone. Oh, that is such an empty feeling, a feeling everything that you, you did, all that work that you've done was meaningless. Jeremiah 36, 23. Whenever Yehudi, those of you that are having children soon, <laughs> Jehudi, pretty good. <laughs> Whenever Jehudi had read three or four columns of the scroll, the king cut them off with a scribe's knife and threw them into the fire part, part, pot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. Have you ever had anyone destroy your work? Maybe you've been discipling someone, pouring into someone, and all of a sudden someone says one thing to them and all, they're gone. Listen, Satan wants to destroy. He is a destroyer. He wants to destroy your, 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 your mind. He wants to destroy your life, your finances, your career. He wants to destroy. Church, we, we have to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle, that we have a real adversary that wants to destroy everything that we're doing, even the people that we're discipling, even the people that we're pouring into and encouraging. Satan wants to destroy that, and he wants us to feel like we're a failure, that nothing that we can do matters. Listen, Jeremiah felt that way. He just watched his life work be destroyed right in front of his face. And we're not talking about, hey, jumping on a computer or a typewriter and whipping it back up. No, no, no. We're talking about scribing something. We, we are battling a real enemy who wants to destroy everything in your life. He wants us to feel like, like, like that empty feeling, like all this work that you've done, all those prayers that you prayed for so-and-so don't matter. And the reason why he wants you to feel that way because he knows that things are happening. God is moving. 
church. Man, Wednesday night was so awesome. And you need to understand when we gather together like that as a church and we pray and we seek God, that's what moves angels and demons. That's the type of thing that, that, that can shift atmosphere, spiritual atmospheres. Listen, there, there, there are strongholds, demonic strongholds that, that Satan has built in this city and in this region. And he knows when people pray. He knows when a church and a people get on fire that that fire can literally destroy every demonic stronghold in a city and in a region. So if things are getting hard in your life, many times it means you're so close to the breakthrough. Many times when it gets the hardest, and it's like, man, how come, what is going on? It can mean that you're very close to a breakthrough. Number five, the fifth difficult circumstance that he went through, they put him in a well. Like a well, like a, like a cistern, like a real well. Jeremiah 38, 6. So the officials took Jeremiah from his cell. Okay, he was already in prison. You ever have one of those days, weeks, months, seasons? Like, <laughs> can't get any worse. Can't get any, honey, can't get any worse than this. Lowered him by ropes into an empty cistern in the prison yard. Oh, it can get worse. It belonged to Melchiajah, a member of the royal family. There was no water in the cistern, but there was a thick layer of mud at the bottom, and Jeremiah sank down into it. Have you ever felt like you've sunk down so low that there's no way out? You've just, maybe it's feelings of depression, maybe it's just feeling of self-loathing, things are not going well in your life, and you're just in this, this cycle. Maybe you have a habitual habit or addiction that just keeps popping up. You'll be good for a little while, and then it just keeps popping up over and over again, and you just feel like, man, I, I'm just... I'm stuck. I'm, I'm sunk down, and there's no way out. Psalms 40, verse 2. David felt like this too. And this is what God does for him. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. Come on, are you in despair today? Are you struggling with some things today? Out of the mud and the mire, he set my feet on solid ground, and steadied me as I walked along. When I was praying through this, this part of the message today, and I thought about the well, and I thought about the mud. There's no way things can get worse. When, things are, you, when you're struggling through things, church, and, and you just feel like, man, the world is against you, or, or man, there's just some things that are happening, you're like, what is happening? There was a woman who met Jesus at a well whose life was a complete disaster. 
She was literally married five times. Like she was, you want to talk about a failure in a marriage? Like she was the champion, okay, of not being able to make a marriage work, right? And you want to talk about the, the, the feeling of failure, the feeling of being stuck, the feeling of being worthless, and then she was living with some dude that she wasn't even married to, right? Like you want to talk about a failure in life. This is the woman that Jesus meets at the well. And at that well, what happens? Everything changes for that woman. Why? Because she has one conversation with Jesus. It only takes one moment with Jesus for him to change everything at the well. So if you're here today, Pastor, I'm in a well. You're right where God wants you to be. It just takes one moment with Jesus for him to change everything. Jeremiah was in mud. There was also a guy that Jesus met where Jesus used mud. This guy was blind, completely blind, could not see. Jesus makes mud from his saliva, from his spit, puts it on this guy's face, and this guy's life is radically changed forever. If you feel like you're in the mud today, your miracle could just be a moment away. Jesus loves to use the well. He loves to use mud to do his miracle, to transform. Satan might want you to think that you're stuck. He might want you to think that, man, disaster is around the corner. But I'm here to tell you, to encourage you today, that Jeremiah kept burning. You can keep burning. You can keep building fire. Because your miracle is moments away. The only way we're not going to encounter God's power and his presence is if we give up. If we stay in that mud and give up. Number six, the sixth difficult circumstance that Jeremiah went through. They called him a liar. They called him a liar. Jeremiah 43, 1 through 2. When Jeremiah had finished telling the people all the words of the Lord, their God, everything the Lord had sent him to tell them, Azariah, son of Hoshea and, and Jonanin, son of Korea, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you are lying. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you must not go to Egypt to settle there. Have you ever been discredited? Have you ever been called out for speaking the truth? Jeremiah was just speaking what the Lord had, had called him to speak, right? He's burning, regardless of, of the external circumstances of what is going to happen to him. He's speaking the truth. Church, the time is here and the time is coming just by putting a, a Bible verse on social media, you will be persecuted for speaking the truth. We're coming into a day and age where the Bible is going to be labeled as hate speech. That's why China's writing their own Bible. That's why they're going to have an artificial intelligent Bible that is politically correct. It's all coming. Church, this cannot determine our fire level. We have to have the mindset of Jeremiah that there's no plan B. There is no better way to live but living on fire 
for Jesus. There's, 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 there's no better way to live than, than, than to live burning with fire in our bones, in our heart, regardless of the external circumstances, because we know that we're a son, we know that we're a daughter, and that God, no matter what we're going through, He's going to work it out, however He's going to work it out. I'm going to end with this. The Apostle Paul, he was the runner-up for this message today. Because he went through a lot. Beaten, put in prison. And one of the moments in the book of Acts, he has this shipwreck, right? He's shipwrecked. He, he gets on shore, and he starts taking the pieces from the boat and putting them to build fires. And it's interesting, it's raining, and it starts to rain, and, 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 you know, he's putting these pieces, you know, to build fire. And then he gets bitten by a venomous snake. Come on. Like, Pastor, you just described my, my week this week, right? What does he do? He shakes it off and builds fire anyways. Church. There's going to, man, the, the, the enemy's going to come against us in this church, your life, your marriage, your kids, your family, your finance. He's coming. He wants to destroy you. But there's no better way to live but to live burning for God. And sometimes, a lot of times, there's not going to be the perfect environment to build fire. And sometimes you need to build fire on broken pieces. Maybe you say, Pastor, my life is broken. Awesome. Take those broken pieces, okay? Let the Holy Spirit light that baby on fire. Sometimes the best way to build fire is with broken pieces. I know that God took a broken person in me, took all of my broken pieces, and built fire in me. He can do it in me. He can do it in you. Church, don't let your external circumstances determine your eternal worth. You are so valuable to God. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan for your life. Do not let Satan derail it for one moment. Even if you're going through brokenness, even though you're going through hardship, even though you're going through struggle, build fire anyway. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus, and I need to say yes to him this morning. Or maybe you've drifted from the truth, and you've drifted from God, and today's the day where you recommit your life to Jesus, that you are going to burn with the fire of the Holy Spirit today. I just ask that every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. If that's you this morning, just slip up a hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yep. Yeah, just put it up and put it down. This is between you and God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And I would just ask this morning that all of us as the church would help those making the greatest decision of their life today. And we repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning 
that you would forgive me of all my sins, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand, Captain.